Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. This eye-opening, revealing new documentary film called The Rise and Fall of Lula Rowe, a film that pulls the curtain back on the multi-level marketing company and features interviews with retailers, warehouse workers, designers, and others, lives who are profoundly impacted by the LuLaRoe organization. Through a partnership with BuzzFeed Studios and journalist Stephanie McNeil, whose investigative work uncovered much of the story that we see in the rise and fall of LuLaRoe, including recent developments and firsthand accounts from sources who are speaking out for the very first time. We're joined today by the senior cultural writer for BuzzFeed, and that would be Stephanie McNeil. Stephanie, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me, as a journalist, as I mentioned just a second ago, a lot of the things that we see in this documentary film uh, directly go back to your reporting. What was it that first put you on to what was going on at uh, LuLaRoe? So the first thing I saw about LuLaRoe that really piqued my interest was a lawsuit that was filed against the company by a bunch of customers who were saying that there's a very memorable line from the lawsuit where they said their leggings were ripping like wet toilet paper. So I read an article on the lawsuit and I was like, oh, this is this is really interesting. Um, so I decided to write my own piece about the lawsuit and was like, I need to find some women who were in LuLaRoe. I need to find some photos to really go along with this. So I ended up joining a Facebook group um, of women who were complaining about their leggings ripping. And so I wrote the first piece and I, you know, I talked to these women and I was just kind of very intrigued by everything that they were saying. And, you know, you know, some of them were like, oh yeah, you know, I was at work and my leggings like completely shredded and I had to like you know, run home and like, you know, all this stuff. We're just like, oh my gosh, that's, that's crazy. After I wrote the first article, I started to get a bunch of emails and I was still in the Facebook group and started to read all of these accounts from women who were just really confused and upset about how their LuLaRoe businesses were going, the communication they were getting from the company. And a lot of people just emailing me being like, you know, this is what's happening to me. Can you help me? And so that really is kind of the first sign that I had that this was something that I really wanted to pay attention to and to report out. And then, you know, it kind of snowballed from there and more and more lawsuits were filed against them. And what's so important about what you said about the leggings is this was the bread and butter product of LuLaRoe. In fact, butter is an appropriate word to use because that was one of the descriptions used that kind of launched them into the stratosphere of multi-level marketing. And yeah. we'll get into that in a second, but what was, how did they describe their leggings? So LuLaRoe described their leggings as buttery soft, which is a very interesting description. Uh, you know, I, I don't really still to this day know what buttery soft means, but I will say that I have you know, seen a pair of LuLaRoe leggings in the flesh and they are very, very soft. So I don't know if I can say if they are buttery, but um, they were soft. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've never tried them on, so I can't really speak to this subject, but it does seem like that was a, the product that kind of got them 
off the ground and something that they became known for. That was what they were essentially, and I'll try my description, you can please uh, your own, but they're very flashy, um, multicolor. They tended to be very attention getting. Yeah. One of the things about LuLaRoe is they did a bunch of launches, right? You know, they were always trying to come up with new patterns. Um, so people would you know, want to add to their collection. So over time, the leggings, like the patterns were very varied, you know, some of the patterns were relatively very average patterns, you know, Christmas, Disney, triangles, whatever. And then some of them were, were pretty out there. They were like multicolored patterned. Um, I don't know if you recall, but around like 2015, like having patterned leggings, little or not, was like kind of in. So yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. that made sense. <laughs> I do remember that era a little bit. I mean, I'm, I can't say that I have a vivid re- recollection, but I remember my sister wearing those, those kinds of leggings. That was the thing that that's how it caught my attention. It was a comfortable era, I must say. <laughs> well, let's talk about the idea behind LuLaRoe and the, the founders, uh, Deanne and Mark, and a little bit about what this is when we say multi-level marketing. What is that? And um, if you wouldn't mind folding in how Deanne Stidham and Mark Stidham became part of all of this. Deanne and Mark uh, were a couple who were very, you know, average California couple. They had... Um, they had married in the late 90s. Um, both of them had been married previously, and they brought in children from both their previous marriages um, to their marriage. And Deanne had had kind of a side gig when she was raising her children where she would go and buy dresses at wholesale, and then she would go to her friends' houses, her family's houses. They would invite all of their friends over, and it would be like a little shopping party. So she would get the dresses at a cheaper price and then sell them for a profit. Um, So she was doing that for years and years and years. And then eventually decided she wanted to get into um, sewing her own clothing. So she began making these maxi skirts that were really appealing to young mothers, you know, because they were feminine and they were um, flattering, but they weren't super tight. They were, you know, you can move around in them, stuff like that. She started making these maxi skirts and giving them to her daughters and her daughters were like, Oh mom, everyone loves these. And so she started manufacturing them. So that's kind of the origin story of LuLaRoe. And, you know, I think they've said in a couple of interviews that they never really intended to make it this multi-level marketing company that, you know, people started approaching them to sell the clothing and they kind of married their two businesses. Who can say? <laughs> yeah. Well, multi-level if for people who, you know, kind of a a classic illustration or example of it would be the Tupperware parties from, from when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, even there were there were Tupperware. If you wanted Tupperware, a good way to do it was one of your neighbors was a was essentially part of this kind of way of getting a product out. After that, it became Amway. After that, it became uh, Herbalife. After that, it became all oh, we're we should by now be very familiar with the idea. My sister was in a marketing level um company set up they were selling vacuum cleaners so it was kind of a direct a direct to um customer kind of relationship that was developed and i'm describing that accurately right yes 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 you are this thing became quite a juggernaut did it not i mean this thing really took off give us that sort of window in which this went from a mom and pop operation to something much bigger it grew extremely fast 
And I think that's because of word of mouth. I think that's because of social media. Um, I think it was very easy to recruit new people and to spread the clothing and people could do all their shopping on the internet through social media. So it grew extremely fast. I mean, LuLaRoe said in the past that at their peak, they had 80,000 consultants and they only started around 2013. So it's, it was insanely huge growth. You know, they were a billion dollar company in just a few years and it really kind of grew out of control. The film is called The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe. And we're talking with the senior cultural writer for BuzzFeed, and that would be Stephanie McNeil. And the film will be released through Discovery Plus on December 13th. So you want to check this out because it is in many ways the all-American success story, and then it's not. And so I want to, without giving away the whole story, I do want to go back a little bit to the story of Deanne and her family. They were, they were part of a very well-known family lineage in, in our country. Would you care to describe that? Deanne's family uh, were uh, directly related to the brother of Joseph Smith, who was the founder of Mormonism. In the article I wrote, I kind of gotten a little bit deeper into that, but you know, they're a very well-known Mormon family. Um, they're a very large family, as you know, many people in the Mormon church are. They had 11 children, Dams one of 11 children. You know, they were kind of serial entrepreneurs. Her maiden name was Startup, which is kind of funny. But there is a, one branch of the family has a candy company that is still operational. And if you, if you go back and read news clippings of uh, Deanne's parents and her relatives, they kind of seem like serial entrepreneurs. You know, those people who are, you know, always kind of starting something new. You know, her parents had a catering company. At one point, I believe her mom had a wedding dress shop. So yeah, there were people who really seemed to enjoy the ethos of the American, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, um, start your own small business sort of thing. Right. Which in and of itself, there's nothing at all wrong with that. I mean, they were, they were certainly people who were committed and when they found something that they liked or that it was, probably it was right for them, they were all in. And that seems to be kind of the, 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 uh, the sense I got from uh, the film. Um, I have a curious question. Since they're so closely tied to the Mormon religion, did any of this money, besides the usual tithing that is done within the uh, Mormon community, did any of this money go to the Mormon church? I have no idea. That's a great question. <laughs> um, I mean, it's possible, yeah, with tithing, but the Mormon church isn't directly involved in LuLaRoe, so. Well, but the families, I mean, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a family that is closer to the origin story for the for the Mormon church. I'm just, I'm just curious. That was one yeah. of those. I'm watching this thinking, does this become kind of a funnel? At some point, as things grew and exponentially grew and people became more and more involved in these women who were apostles for LuLaRoe, they became more and more uh, kind of, they got to a point where this, the model that the, that the company was using was to continue to send them product all sort of on a relentless level. Mm-hmm. And this be, began to create some issues with, with, with the people who were trying to sell it. What people have told me that were in LuLaRoe was they felt like the market was becoming oversaturated. Uh, LuLaRoe itself is very um, opaque about details. You know, they won't show statistics on how many people were selling in a certain area at a certain time. But from anecdotally, what people have said is 
you know, because the company was growing so quickly and there were always these new launches, they felt like they were never able to sell all of the things they had before everyone just wanted the next new thing. Also, you know, one of the women in our documentary said like at one point, like her next door neighbor was also selling LuLaRoe. So like that kind of heads home, like, you know, maybe you used to be the only LuLaRoe seller in your direct area and, you know, people liked that. But now if there's so many other people, it can be really hard to stand out. There's something about, I'm sure you've heard this term before, fast fashion. Yes. To me, watching the movie, I was thinking, my God, this is the, this is a classic case of a company that is committed to fast <laughs> fashion. Um, yeah. And by the way, that concept is basically continually, it used to be that there was a winter collection, a summer collection of, of, of clothing, and it's become more and more ramped up so that every couple of weeks, there's a new something that somebody has to have in terms of fashion. And it's an environmental catastrophe. If you go back to the where these clothes are coming from in India and other parts of the world, it's truly a real problem. And watching, there was another thing about LuLaRoe that I was, you know, I was thinking, my God, these, how much product is being cranked out and how much of this ends up in a landfill. So that's. Absolutely. I mean, I think like that's one of the images that's really resonated with a lot of people from the LuLaRoe story is there are these women that are sharing on the internet that they just have boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes or an entire closet full or an entire room full of LuLaRoe clothing that they weren't able to sell. And, you know, I've heard anecdotally people just like taking it all to Goodwill and Goodwill being like, we can't take any more LuLaRoe, we're done. So I think you're right. You know, there was just so much produced because people kept buying things that they didn't know they could sell that it really just, it just totally cannibalized a lot of people's storage. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot more to what we're talking about in much greater detail in the film, The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe. And it is, again, as I said, it'll be released through Discovery Plus on Monday, December 13th. And there's an awful lot more about the family, the Stidham family, about their relationship to their customers and to, to all the different ways in which they made this company very attractive for, for a certain demographic in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Moms, yes. more, more or less moms. This is a mom-driven um industry, a mom-driven story, and also about your work and the work of others like Christina Hinks and Rick Ross talking about how cultish this thing became over a period of time. There's a lot here, and I want people to uh, to be able to really kind of dive into this. And I, I, th- I think we've kind of scratched the surface here a little bit, and I think hopefully piqued their interest. And uh, are you continuing to report on uh, LuLaRoe? Yeah, yeah. You know, LuLaRoe is still a functioning company and there's still a couple of lawsuits that are um, outstanding and haven't been settled yet. So when that happens, I will definitely update everyone. (laughs) Very good. Well, thank you. Uh, Again, we've been talking with Stephanie McNeil. She's the senior cultural writer for BuzzFeed, a big part of the film uh, in terms of explaining the context of what happened and the story behind the rise and fall of LuLaRoe. Thank you so very much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Thank you so much, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. 
Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.